have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was born into iniquity, and I have been sinful since my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear with joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put in a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from death, O God, God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. Were I to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Thank you to the Thornburgs. Are we not so blessed to have them? I said, hey, Barb, let's chant the psalm. She said, what? I said, let's chant the psalm. She said, okay, and they did. It was great. I have this incredibly clear memory of a moment with my mother when I was maybe seven or eight years old. I think we were on vacation, though the exact context is a little unclear to me. What I remember is we were in a parking lot, having just exited our, four, our brown Ford Econoline van. We were headed, classy, the Liffolds traveled style, and 
I think we were probably headed into like some national park visitor center or something. My brother and my father were a few steps ahead of us and I said something. I have no idea what it was, but it was apparently a ridiculous thing to say. I think I said it loud enough for other people in the parking lot to be able to hear me and whatever I said, it was out of bounds. And my mother let me know. She whipped her head around, and this is the really clear part of the memory for me. She said with a tone of exasperation, Amy, can't you just stop and think for a minute before words come out of your mouth? <laughs> Oof. Now, my mother is a tremendously kind, encouraging, supportive human. She's someone you want to have on your team, especially if you're going through a struggle. My mother showers love and care on the people around her in big ways and in little ways. She worked with preschoolers for decades, and she is a very patient person. She also has high expectations, appropriately high. Just wanted my brother and me to be our best selves, whatever we were capable of, and she is no pushover. Let me tell you, <laughs> there is no wheedling out of stuff with my mother. All that to say, I am quite certain that whatever I said in the parking lot was not a kind or a thoughtful thing to say, and my mother let me know. <laughs> I remember being stunned. I hope that I apologized. I'm also sure that soon after that moment that she hugged me or in some other way let me know that she loved me just as much as ever. Now, Mama, she watches. I have good news to report. I do now think before I speak. <laughs> Most of the time. Like 95% of the time, I'm sure. I don't know. I still slip up and engage mouth before brain occasionally, but I am better than I was at eight years old. I am certain about that. She gave me a rebuke out of love. That's what happened in that parking lot. A rebuke out of love. And you know, that is something actually that the Holy Spirit does for us if we are open to it. We're spending a few weeks here before the celebration of Pentecost to, to explore the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And last week we talked about how the scriptures say the Holy Spirit was present at the very moment of creation and that the Spirit continues to create and to prompt us toward creating good and beautiful things. This week we turn to a very different kind of scripture one that's deeply important in our relationship with God, but not a place that we like to dwell very often. This beautiful psalm, Psalm 51, a psalm that we often hear on Ash Wednesday, it expresses lament and regret when we know we've done something wrong, like something maybe that hurt someone else deeply, and we turn to God for help. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. That's just the start of the way this psalm asks for help. The writer, he knows that he screwed up. He feels trapped by his own mistakes, and he's looking to God for a way out, a chance to reset. Now, if you look in a Bible, likely the note at the beginning of this psalm put these words of confession in a stark and a painful context. Those beginning notes, more than likely, scholars agree, they are not original to the psalm. They were added later. 
but I, I think it's still a beautiful way to frame Psalm 51. More than likely, this psalm was written by some unknown Israelite, by someone who had come to the temple, maybe to make a personal appeal to the Lord. We, we have no idea what he'd done or why he felt so wrong. Whatever the reason, he came to offer his prayers and he wrote this beautiful poem in supplication to God. And then decades later, another Israelite who was pulling the Psalms together meditated on the poem and connected it to one of the worst incidents in King David's life. So that in most Bibles, there's a note at the top of Psalm 51 that says, a Psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Now, I don't know if you remember this incident from the life of King David. Remember, David was the most beloved of all the kings of ancient Israel. In the Bible, David is the king of kings. He's the favored one of God. He's the one held up as the standard to which all other kings should aspire. But when David was no longer a young man, his army was out fighting away from Jerusalem, but he stayed at home. And one day he was lounging up on his roof and he saw down in a courtyard a beautiful woman named Bathsheba, and he was enthralled with her. The king gets what the king wants, so David called her over to his house, and he slept with her, even though she was married to one of his best soldiers. And then David found out she was pregnant. So he tried to convince this soldier to go home and sleep with his wife to cover up David's sin, but the man wouldn't do it, so David had the man named Uriah, had him killed in a staged battlefield accident, and then David took Bathsheba as one of his own wives. So in this one little story, in the book of 2 Samuel, David, the great king, the favored one of God, he became a coveter, a liar, an adulterer, and a murderer. He broke at least half of the Ten Commandments just in this one episode. And, and you know, in the, in the story at first, David, he doesn't even feel bad about what he's done. It's only when God sends the prophet Nathan to David to confront him, it's then that David admits the horror of what he's done and begs God for forgiveness. And so I can easily imagine David at that moment when, David, when Nathan is confronting him, I can imagine him praying something like Psalm 51, against you, you alone have I sinned, O God, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. As we read through Psalm 51, it can maybe be a little painful to hear how desperate the psalmist is for help. But if we look at it closely, we actually will see it is a psalm of hope. Yes, the writer is full of regret, but he also knows that God can make it right. That it's possible for God to wipe the slate clean. So he asks for a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He asks for restoration. He asks for a chance to live according to God's ways and follow God's commandments. So he prays, create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. The psalmist, he's, he's longing for holiness. He recognizes he's done wrong, he asks for mercy, and he wants to be made right so that he can live according to God's commandments. He's longing for holiness. Luckily for him and for us, holiness is a specialty of the Holy Spirit. Holiness is something the Holy Spirit brings to us, something it creates in us. The Holy Spirit helps us live holy lives, 
lives that give honor to God, lives that reflect God's love. The Holy Spirit helps us live holy lives from day to day and helps restore us when we miss the mark and we need mercy and forgiveness. Now, holiness, that can be kind of a scary word, I think. Not one that we hear too often in wider culture, so it might sound a little bit prudish at first, or like someone who's seeking holiness is going to be zero fun. But it, it doesn't mean anything all that scary. It just means wanting to live in a way that honors God. Holiness means following the instructions of Scripture. It means following the teachings of Jesus. It means looking for that full and meaningful and abundant and joy-filled life that we know God desires for us. You know, the Apostle Paul, he had holiness in mind when he described the fruit of the Spirit. He said, when the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, what we'll see is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right, so if the Holy Spirit is about holiness in our lives, there are three important ways, I think, that the Holy Spirit works within us to produce a life of holiness. In all these ways, the Holy Spirit is our guardian, it's our guide. So first of all, the Holy Spirit helps us do the right thing. The Holy Spirit helps us do the right thing in a particular situation and gives us the strength to do to do it. Helps us know what the right thing is to do and then gives us the strength to do it. So the Holy Spirit produces all that fruit that Paul names. When the Spirit lives inside of us, it helps us do the loving thing, the joyful thing, the patient thing, the kind thing, the faithful thing, day in and day out. The Holy Spirit helps us do the right thing. And, as importantly, the Holy Spirit keeps us from doing stupid things. The Spirit is our guardian and our guide. So sometimes the, whis the Spirit whispers, you should do this. That's the holy thing. And sometimes the Spirit whispers to us, you don't really want to do that, do you? Or, in my case, not a good idea, Amy. That's what the Holy Spirit says to me. The Holy Spirit offers a gentle rebuke to keep us from doing something we'll regret. Like, a few months ago, some of my clergy friends and I attended an event put on by the annual conference and afterward, everyone received a survey, like an email survey, to rate different parts of how the experience had gone. Now, you may not know this, but it is, it is possible for clergy, when we get together in a group, to get a little rowdy. <laughs> Truth? Truth. A little snarky, a little smart-alecky sometimes. So my friends and I, during this whole event, we had a big group text going. Now, these are the friends that normally I would hang out with after hours when we were, if we were in an in-person conference event. But since we were all at home doing it virtually, separately, we just texted each other constantly through the whole three days. And after the event, to that same group text, one of my friends sent a screenshot of an answer that he gave to one of the survey questions. Now, it looked nice enough on the surface. I'm, I can't even tell you what it was, but it looked nice, okay? But it was actually part of an inside joke that we had been making all week long, and he put it there on this official survey. There is no way that the readers of the survey would know what he really meant, but we knew. We knew. So later that day, I sat down to fill out my own online survey, and I got to the question, uh, that same question, and I typed in a very similar response to the one that my friend had sent. It looked innocent enough. 
but I knew it wasn't. I knew it was a joke, and I knew it was kind of poking at the expense of someone else. It was a joke, just purely for me and my friends. So I filled out the rest of the survey, but I just couldn't quite hit send. You ever have a moment like this? I wanted to, oh, I wanted to, but the longer I sat and I looked at that answer, I knew that it wasn't okay. I knew that even if no one else knew that I was making the joke, I would know. And as I sat there and I stared at that screen, I heard this voice inside of me say, would Jesus think that was funny? <laughs> Darn you, Holy Spirit, of course Jesus would not think that was funny. And Jesus had a great sense of humor, I'm sure, but never in a way that was at the expense of somebody else. So what did I do? I deleted the comment, and then I hit send and sent the survey. So the Holy Spirit can act as a guardrail and a boundary to keep us from doing something we will later regret. Sometimes, though, I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit doesn't get to me fast enough. <laughs> or I don't listen well enough. And I do end up hitting send or speaking without thinking, or, or doing something that isn't helpful or kind. But the Holy Spirit does not abandon me or us in those moments. No, the Holy Spirit is still right there, but now with a different function to help me see my mistake, to help me recognize my sin, and to help me feel appropriately badly about it. The regret, the lament that we read in the psalm, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The conviction we feel when we realize we've screwed up, that is actually a holy feeling, and one that shows that we are really seeking after holiness. Now, I brought a few photos today for you of this very thing in action. These come from a social media account called Unvirtuous Abbey, and they play off the idea that the Holy Spirit can take the form of a bird, right? Remember how at Jesus' baptism, the Spirit descended on him like a dove? And we, we have that very same imagery in our own logo here at St. Paul's. We have that dove that represents the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit can be imagined as a bird. Okay, so let's see that first photo, Abby. This, this, the caption says, is an actual photo of the Holy Spirit after you just did that thing you told God you weren't going to do anymore. <laughs> let's see the next one. This is an actual photo of the Holy Spirit who can't believe that you just said that out loud. That's also like me and my mother. Okay, eight-year-old Amy. Next photo. An actual photo of the Holy Spirit holding the log she just removed from your eye. Hmm. And then the last one. An actual photo of the Holy Spirit watching you refresh your screen for updates every eight seconds. This one they posted on election night, right? Just keep hitting refresh. The Holy Spirit helps us do right helps us to follow in the ways of God. The Holy Spirit also keeps us from doing stupid things, and the Holy Spirit helps us feel regret when we go ahead and do those stupid things. And as needed, the Holy Spirit does what the psalmist asks. When we confess, when we ask for mercy, the Holy Spirit makes our hearts right with God once again. The Holy Spirit wipes the slate clean. The Holy Spirit helps us start over and start fresh and go back to following the ways of God, seeking after that life of holiness. The Holy Spirit never stops, in other words, never stops in helping us live in ways that honor God. So this week, as we all seek to walk in the ways of Jesus, as we hope to live in ways that honor God, I want to encourage you to take a moment to read through Psalm 51 again. 
Find a moment that you can be still and be quiet and really focus in on the scripture and pray it from your heart. You might pray some of those a few times, that breath prayer that Rebecca taught us during the prayer time. Pray and read Psalm 51 and admit to God that you need a new and right spirit put within you. Ask God to clean away the junk and the grime that's accumulated from your mistakes and your sins. And then ask God for help to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to help you listen for the guidance and even the loving rebuke of the Spirit to keep you from saying or doing things that do not reflect holiness. Knowing that when we fail to listen, when our impulses, our weaknesses get the better of us, that the Holy Spirit will be right there to restore, to make new, to forgive, to put a clean heart within us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.